0: back to Salty Saints Podcast. We are hanging out in the new studio. I forgot for, for just a second there that this is on camera, so I don't know where to look. Here, hi. How's it going? Um, I'm sitting here with Randy, and we're going to talk about the Old Testament.
1: We are, we are, we are. Before we do that, though, I just want to remind you that last week, when uh, you and I talked, yeah, we, we talked about... Who Zach Killian is and, and what he is. Uh, you said you were tired of your car and you were going to get a new one.
0: I bought a new car.
1: You bought, well, a new-to-you car.
0: New-to-me car, but it's so cool. It's so cool. We don't need to talk about these things, though. What we do need to talk about is my boy Brandon at State Farm that just saved me a bunch of money on my car insurance, and I didn't switch to Geico, so get out of here. <laughs> get out of here, Geico. But, yeah, he's, he's all right in my book. So Jake from State Farm and Brandon. Yeah, and Brandon. Brandon needs his own commercial. There you go. But, uh yeah today we 're talking about the Old Testament, why it is important because while nobody explicitly says that the New Testament is more important than the old testament, there 's a whole lot of people out there whose lives would reflect otherwise
1: yeah that 's very, very true. I just had lunch with a friend who 's talking with uh, with uh, another person. And uh, that person says, how can I follow God when you look in the Old Testament and you see how God kills all these people and orders war and, and just horrible things happen? And I think that's the way a lot of people approach the Old Testament. They look at the Old Testament and they say, what God does there is just horrible, horrible, horrible. And then you look at the New Testament and it looks like it's not even the same God.
0: Right, right. That, I get it. Lewis Black actually has like an entire comedy bit about that. Um, but it's not true. I mean, it's the same God. It is it's the same exact God. same God. Yeah, Jesus' feelings – I mean, it, Jesus is God. Let, let's get that out of the way, right? <laughs> Jesus is God. Um, he's the son of the Trinity, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit – the, the one God that is three persons um, and his feelings are the same as the father's. That's right. It's not like Jesus has some other agenda separate from the father's. It's that without spoiling too much. I mean, the father was speaking to a different situation. A lot of the times as to what Jesus was speaking to. Yeah. Jesus came into a little bit different of a situation. You got to use the context. It all matters.
1: Yeah. So a lot of people also are just kind of functionally, uh, they they might say, yeah, the Old Testament is important, but they never read it. They never go to it. They have no idea what's in it, and they have perverted ideas, or not perverted, but distorted ideas of what's in the Old Testament. Yeah, <laughs> which
0: sometimes is a little bit perverted. But yeah, hey, it you is. Do? It can be. Um, yeah, no, I think you're right, but it's necessary. And don't get me wrong; I totally understand why people have a hard time getting through uh, the Old Testament. You know, that's yeah.
1: I'm gonna move this. Sorry,
0: but uh, it can be it can be a tough read sometimes.
1: It can be, and you know, part of it, uh, things like the genealogies. You know, that's it's just hard going through it. If if you're trying to read through the Bible, you hit the beginning of the book of Numbers, and the book of Numbers is called Numbers. Because it says, and tribe so-and-so, the families were, and you get like a page full of family names. And then it says, they numbered 78,432. Right. And and then goes on. That's why it's called the Book of Numbers. And uh, that, although it's important, it's not overly important for Christian life today.
0: Right, right. Um, Yeah, I mean, you've got to think that the the, the Old Testament was for the Jews first. Mm -hmm. It's for us as well, but in a different way.
1: In a different way, yeah.
0: We don't read the Old Testament and go, oh, man, I'm following God now. I need to go collect some unblemished goats (laughs) and drag them out into the backyard, form an altar and slit their throats and slit their throats (laughs) and burn them to the Lord. Um, Yeah, we don't do that. No, we don't do that. But we can turn around and say, oh, you know, God God clearly has um, he feels a certain way about justice. He believes that justice needs to be served that, Absolutely. that the crime fits the punishment yeah. that you know we I, I believe wholeheartedly that is still true today um, or that you know God loves his people. God has this all this order because he's a god of order. so not only is it about the things that God thinks but it's also about who is God who what's his character like and we learn that by reading what he says to these people.
1: In a lot of ways, uh, the Old Testament is sort of the introduction to God. Uh, if, if you want to know what God is like, uh, you really have to start with Genesis 1 through 3. And things just snowball after that. And it, and it helps you understand more of who Jesus is when you see who God is in the Old Testament.
0: It's, it's really tough um, when you're talking to somebody who knows nothing about Scripture. And then you tell them, yeah, read your Bible. It's like, man, where do you start? Yeah. Because if you come in at the Gospels, you have no clue on who God is. But if you start in the Old Testament and try and read the whole New Testament, I really doubt you're going to hang in there long enough to yeah. make it to the Gospels. Yeah. Because we don't live in the middle of the desert in a nomadic society um, with nothing better to do than to read about a bunch of genealogies. Like, that was sacred to the Jews. Oh, yeah. But. Well, they saw their own family names there. Exactly. Exactly. And that we don't, we're Gentiles.
1: Right. We're not Jews. We don't get that. We don't get that. Um, In a different lifetime, uh, before I worked here at New Hope, um at OMS, one of the things that we did is we started developing uh a Bible for non-literate people, for uh, storytellers, literally. And uh what we did was we developed, I forget if it was 12 or 18, but we developed a certain number of key stories to help people understand about God and about Jesus. And uh, that was was really interesting because you take the whole Bible and you try to boil it down to 12 or 18 stories. Well, half the stories came from the Old Testament because it was so important to understand who God was. Well,
0: it's so important to even understand what Jesus is talking about half the time. That's right. Like, if you just... If you just took everything Jesus did at face value with no knowledge of the Old Testament, a lot of it's going to seem really strange.
1: It's going to go right over your
0: head. Yeah, because, I mean, he is directly referencing and fulfilling things that happened or at least got started in the Old Testament.
1: So I I went online. I went to uh, Blue Letter Bible online. Which, how you like it. Uh, Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not not bad. bad. It's got some additional information. One of the pages was about how much of the New Testament actually comes from the Old Testament. Hmm. And Blue Letter Bible said that there are 855 direct quotations uh, in the New Testament from the Old Testament. That's almost 1,000. That's a lot. That's a lot. Now, a more conservative uh, approach... Um, the United Bible Society Greek text, uh, they have 343 direct quotations. Wow. Now, the difference between 855 and 343, you know, there's 500 uh, quotations different. Why? Because Blue Letter Bible would call some things a direct quotation. That United Bible Society would say, okay, that's an illusion. It quotes a lot of this verse from the Old Testament,
0: but it's not a full quote. But it's not a full right. quote, which that's that's silly. That's that's, that's yeah. You're you're letting the the educational side of things creep in a little too much. There. Well,
1: the United Bible Society Greek text that's that is definitely educational. Right. It's, it's uh, very high power, but. To
0: me, the important thing is to say, "Let's put those two numbers together."
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: or I guess maybe not.
1: But yeah, you, no, you wouldn't add them together. But but you would say, "Okay, it's a 343 lot." Three hundred and forty-three absolute direct quotations, word for word. Right. There's another five hundred that are so direct that it's. <laughs> They're you almost. You know gross. where it's coming from, right? Yeah, right. you know exactly. Okay, that's this verse, right? Doesn't quote it exactly. Right. And then there are another 1,800 actually allusions in addition that uh, it's definitely referring to this particular verse, although not necessarily in a direct way.
0: Right. So right.
1: what it boils down to in another, another uh, text, an- another web page that I found, I'm going to take their word for it 33 percent of the new testament is direct references let's put it that way to the old testament
0: that's incredible one third yeah i mean and (laughs) the one that kind of just pops right off the top of my head is it always blows my mind how many people try to make sense of revelation without ever referencing the Old Testament because it's all Old Testament language, all of it. And that's just so crazy to me that so many people just let that slide without mentioning it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) The way this works out. 150% hundred and fifty percent of the Book of Revelation. There you go. <laughs> what that means is there is in one verse, uh, frequently, two references to the Old Testament. There you go. So, uh,
0: or or the, yeah, they're referencing two different things in the Old Testament, even.
1: Right, right, right. right. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> The idea that the uh, Old Testament is unimportant for Christians, that's not a new idea. This was the very first heresy in the early church. Yeah, a fellow by the name of Marcion uh, lived, he was born in 85, died in 160 AD. So there around 130 to 160, he started teaching that the God of the Old Testament is not Jesus, not the God of Jesus. Jesus was all about love. The God of the Old Testament is all about war, pain, Hmm. anger. Uh, So Marcion, he is important for two reasons. One, he is the first person to actually name a canon of the New Testament. Now, the canon is the term for the books that the church accepts as normative, as the rule of faith and life Mm -hmm. for the church. Marcion was the first one, and he only had 12 books. Really? He had the Gospel of Luke, but he eliminated the Old Testament from the Gospel of Luke.
0: uh, What's the other guy's name? Athenius? Um, What does he do? He he proposed one as well, but it's like what we use today. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, I'm yeah. I'm trying to think
1: what his name is. Uh, yeah, Athagoras, I think. Mm. But uh, anyway, uh, there are several, and uh, canon is finally comes to be fixed by about 378, I think it is, A.D. Fixed in the sense of after 378, there is general agreement that the New Testament that we have today is... Those are the canonical books, and there's no variation after that. Right. Uh, the, that's who you're thinking of. That is the 37th Easter letter of...
0: Athanasius.
1: Athanasius, there or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I just looked it up.
0: Okay, there you are. <laughs> and I, you are. I saw Easter letter, and I was like, ooh, I don't know if that's it. But that's now it. Now I know that's it. That's it, it. All that's
1: right. it. yep. Um, so anyway, Marcion said... Uh, the Gospel of Luke is the only Gospel. You take out all the Old Testament quotes. And then he picked 10 epistles of Paul, and that was his New Testament. And he picked Paul because he thought that Paul rejected the Old Testament, but it shows that he didn't no. really understand what Paul was doing. Yeah. Because Paul quotes the Old Testament and develops. <laughs> The Old Testament.
0: He was he was a Pharisee.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> what, what
0: do you expect? Yeah.
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, uh, a, important for two reasons: the heresy, which is rejected. It's it's uh, rejected by people like Justin Martyr. That that uh, you're going to get a study. We hope. Uh, um, well, there are two other uh, first and second century writers. Who also reject the uh, second-century writers, hmm. who also reject Marcion by name, wow, and say no, no, no. The Old Testament is important to us. Whoops. They Old didn't. Testament is important to me. Um, back in the day, I was in uh, this was holy cow, it was fifty years ago. I was uh, in uh, university. I was in college, Asbury College. And a couple of guys, a couple of missionaries who had just returned from Columbia were starting what they were calling, it was brand new in those days, a discipleship group. <laughs> Nobody else was talking about discipleship. The pioneers of the discipleship. Pioneers. Group. I heard one of them say after a while, you know, we should have written all this down. Because it was in the late 70s that you start seeing books on discipleship. They said, ah. We should have done this a long time ago because we were doing it a long time ago. But as I was learning how uh, in in that discipleship group, one of the things they taught us was inductive method. Hmm. Taught us to study the Bible on your own, get something out of the Bible on your own. Uh, One of the requirements to just be in the discipleship group, they required 10 hours a week. And that was two hours every Monday night. Which started at 7 p.m. and went till about 11, usually, yeah, two hours. Yeah, <laughs> uh, one hour private time with one of them, and then one hour of devotions every day, seven days a week. So, uh, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to grow, so uh, I studied first the book of Malachi because it was short, and I saw things on my own and was amazed by what I yeah. saw. So then I said, okay, what am I going to do next? I want to do something from the New Testament. So I did Matthew. And in, in studying Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, don't miss, this is verse 17, don't misunderstand why I've come. I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophet. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. And I tell you the truth, even heaven and earth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So I distinctly remember one morning reading that passage, studying the passage, thinking about it, and thinking to myself so the law and the prophets, that's the Old Testament. I don't know beans about the Old Testament, but if Jesus came to fulfill it, I guess I better be learning. Right. So as a result of that devotional, I went on to seminary and majored in Old Testament. Okay. I think that's wise. (laughs) Um. Saw some incredible things. Right. I began to understand how the Old Testament really impacts our life today as Christians.
0: I think there's a stark contrast, too, between the way you study the New Testament and the way you study the Old
1: Testament. They're certainly different, aren't they?
0: Because when I study about the Old Testament, I generally learn things about the way the world was at that time. I learn things about Um, Jewish beliefs at that time, you know, but when I read the old Testament, I'm usually seeing how those things from the old Testament are fitting into what I'm reading in the new Testament. Yeah. It's not like, like when you read, when you research the old Testament, you learn about like the history of that time. You learn about the, the way the land was, but in the new Testament, the history of the new Testament is the old Testament. That's I guess I, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Like, yeah,
1: it's... Absolutely. Um, and you learn how much the New Testament actually depends on your understanding of the Old Testament. Oh, absolutely. It's, I mean, it's it, amazing.
0: Well, the whole reason Jesus is so ill-received is because a bunch of people didn't properly understand the Old Testament. He reinterpreted
1: the Old Testament. He The interpretation that the average Jew of Jesus' day was giving to the Old Testament, Jesus looked at that and said, no, that's not it. This is what it really says. And he was very literal in his understanding of the Old Testament. Right. Just for example, um, you see um, the Pharisees saying, uh, why don't your disciples wash your hands uh, before they eat? That's, That's... violating god's law find a passage in the old testament that says wash your hands before you eat it's not there that was the pharisees law they were saying god says when it was actually they who were saying it and they were all about ritual cleansing and doing things like that jesus said no no just read the old testament see what it says and obey it. Yeah, uh, That's a lot like us today, though.
0: We haven't changed in 2,000 <laughs>
1: years. How many,
0: how many traditions do we think are biblical that aren't? It's incredible. All the way,
1: all the way to church at 1030 on Sunday morning.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You got to meet one day a week.
1: That's right. All
0: you got to gather in the same place. Like, find that
1: for me. Right. Right. <laughs> right. It's got to be a certain way. And right. A, a certain length. And, uh, yeah. man. It's not. One it's guy's going to talk. Everybody else is going to listen. That's right. Yeah, yeah. No. That's what teaching is. That's not at all what teaching is. That's right. that's lecturing. Right. For a lot of people, it's a great time to catch up on your, on your nap. <laughs> yeah, that's true.
0: That's true. Okay.
1: So we're talking
0: about, uh, we've talked about Marcion. We've talked about um, the fact that, the Old Testament and the New Testament are directly linked. What other points were you thinking?
1: Well, um, we talked a little bit about Jesus and uh, didn't go into a great amount of detail there. Uh, Jesus certainly preached from the Old Testament uh, frequently, frequently, frequently. Uh, He is uh, directly quoting the Old Testament. The thing that amazes me... uh, it just I, I mentioned this in one of the devotionals not too long ago. We read the story of Jesus cleansing the temple. I grew up; I always heard that the reason he cleansed the temple was because the money changers had defective lambs. They had lambs that were lame and lambs that had black spots, and they couldn't sell them anywhere else. So they sold them in the temple because it was only God that you were offering to. The passage doesn't say that at all. In fact, in the passage, it says what Jesus was preaching. And I was 55 years old, I think, when I finally caught that and read that and uh, actually was reading uh, N.T. Wright, New Testament, and the people of God. And uh, he just mentions that sort of, as a, as a blip in what he's talking about, and he moves on to make his point. But what Jesus is preaching about, he preaches from Isaiah 56, where Isaiah says, uh, Your temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And literally says the Ethiopians will come and they'll worship there. And the eunuchs will come and they'll worship there. And God will accept their worship and accept their sacrifices because they really follow, they really understand, they've connected, they believe. I never got that. When I finally did, I did a little bit of research and found out that the only place they could have kept the animals was in what's called the court of the Gentiles. But for that one week, Gentiles couldn't come into the temple because it was full of animals and money changers.
0: And that's the most holy holiday in Israel. The Passover, right? And the Gentiles are
1: excluded. And they excluded them because there was no room. So Jesus drives out the animal, drives out the money changers, not because the money changers were were cheating people and charging an unfair price. Not because the animals were defective or less than perfect. It was because of where they were. They were in the court of the Gentiles. And the Gentiles didn't fit. So in my warped and twisted mind, I see Jesus driving out the animal changers and the, and the animals. Then going to the gates of the temple and pushing them wide open. And holding his arms out saying, come, come Gentiles, there's room for you now. And I tell you what, I almost cried when I thought of that because I'm a Gentile. Right. And that was Jesus saying, I want you to see what's going to take place when the real Passover lamb is sacrificed. And that's a whole nother, the Passover lamb why does throwing the blood of an animal on doors protect the firstborn of Israel? It's a figure of what's coming right. when God's Passover it's a type. lamb. It's a type. It's a type. Of what's coming when God's Passover lamb. Right. But how do we understand that? Just through the Old Testament. Right. So Jesus well, talks Well, you can't have just one without the other. That's right.
0: That's, that's the whole point of Jesus coming is he was... God's revelation of the truth of the Old Testament. I mean, and if you just want proof of that, go, I mean, in general, any Orthodox Christian, and I know there's a million different denominations, they're all going to see it basically the same way as far as like much. The, the, the basic tenets of Christianity, right? Go ask a bunch of Jews what they believe. It's going to be so all over the place yeah. because they've all got different interpretations. Each rabbi has different interpretations and they're just, it's like, it's all speculation.
1: The new Testament is at least at one level, a divinely inspired interpretation of the old Testament. That's why most Bible believing Christians agree on the essentials right because we look at the New Testament we say okay it says here that that's what that meant so that's what it meant
0: but it's not even just that it'll say that there but then you'll see more support from somebody else over here of that same concept Yeah, it's like they're all believing the same thing but they're not all together they're not all writing this at the same time right? but they're all coming to the same conclusions yeah
1: so that's Jesus. If, if we look at Paul, Paul is one of the early writers uh, of the New Testament, probably the first one to write either Galatians or Thessalonians. In Second uh, Timothy, he says something. Uh, some of us may have memorized this, and we memorize it, applying it improperly. Okay. <laughs> 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God, and it's useful to teach us what's true, to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. All scripture is inspired. So the wrong interpretation of that is we look at the Bible that we hold and say, okay, it's all inspired. No, I'm not saying that that's wrong. I am saying that this scripture, when it says all scripture, is referring to the Old Testament.
0: Right. Well, yeah. Could we say it's referring to the New Testament?
1: Paul wasn't referring to the New Testament. That didn't exist yet.
0: Right, but it's sort of like the whole in Revelation when it says any man who adds to this book... Let him be cursed. Right. And that's it, another one. Because it's what
1: about, is this book? It's, it's talking just about the book revelation. Of revelation.
0: <laughs> but could we say, because it is divinely inspired, that it is referring to scripture as a whole?
1: Could we say? Of course we can. You just said it. <laughs> Should we say? I, I'm. Not so sure, and yet I do believe that the New Testament is equally inspired. Right. But I don't look to this verse for a proof text for that. I look to other proofs that there is a strong sense of divine inspiration taking place as other books were even being written. And there what I'm talking about is Peter... When he talks about Paul in Second Peter, mm-hmm. he says, Our brother Paul has written many things, and he calls what Paul has written Scripture. Okay. He uses the same term that he uses for the Old Testament. So apparently Peter had a sense that Paul is doing something very unique mm. and very holy. So, yeah, the New Testament is inspired to... I just don't think that 2 Timothy 3.16 that, says that. right? Okay, I can could, I could see that. But what 2 Timothy 3.16 does tell us is that the Old Testament is useful for us today. Right. And it mentions four things that it's used for. It says, for teaching, we learn about God from the Old Testament. It shows us what's wrong. It corrects us, and much of the law is... uh, Paul, uh, in other places, talks about this, how the law is there to show us our sin. Then it corrects us. It shows us not only what's wrong, but what to do about it, and then it teaches us what's right, And there it says that the literal translation is it disciplines us in righteousness. It helps us to figure out how to live. Now, that's the Old Testament that Paul is talking about. And Paul quoted the Old Testament a lot. He goes to the Old Testament frequently to make exactly these points. Here's the truth about God. Here's the truth about us. Here's what we need to do about it, and here's how we need to live as a result. Right. And he draws that from the Old Testament. Right. So can we.
0: So this may be, this is a rabbit hole, so warning. Okay. But uh, you and I have talked about this a little bit, and this is a fairly new concept to me, but I think I've agreed with it all along. Um, Theonomy.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: Um, Which is a pretty controversial concept. Um, a lot of people disagree with it. A lot of people say, uh, for, for anybody listening that doesn't know what theonomy is, it's the idea that God's which, which lo- would be
1: just about everybody,
0: <laughs> right? It's the idea that God's law of the Old Testament is still God's law. Now, it is still the law of the land, it, or it should be, right? Yeah. Right? That yeah. it is still yeah. God's standard upon it's still which we're valid for it's us. It's still valid. Um, and a lot of your ears probably just perked up and you're like, wait, like we don't make sacrifices. Um, we don't, we don't earn our salvation. You're right. You don't. Um, I just heard about this from Jeff Durbin, James White, all those guys over at Apologia. Apparently David Bonson, uh, he's a theologist. Uh, he, uh, he was a big advocate, big speaker on theonomy. And, uh, Basically, they said the major problem with uh, the arguments against that idea is they strawman. The the people that argue against it say what you believe about theonomy, when and then it, tear it down. And then tear it down. But it's not what theonomists believe. They don't believe in the sacrificial system. They they don't believe in like the the food laws, like the the health laws, like. Uh, well,
1: and that's one of the first things I I mention. I I'd, I'd say, well, I I don't sacrifice. Right. I like shrimp. <laughs> right, right.
0: I wear clothes of mixed fiber. Right. Yeah, yeah. right. right. But, but like, that's all the cleanliness stuff. Yeah. That's done away with in the New Testament. And so that's their point. They say, the law is still the law. But those things that Jesus has explicitly stated are no longer necessary in the law, are no longer necessary in the law. But their other argument is, well, why do we know that? incest is wrong why do we know that hmm. that uh, bestiality is wrong why do we know you Old know like, right right like we would still say to a t today yeah that's not good you know right where do we get that in the new testament
1: the 10 commandments i mean <laughs> even with all of the talk about separation of church and states a large number of our state capitals even our nation's capital has the Ten Commandments written all over? Right, because it's kind of the 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 core, right, of what
0: we believe as a society. And that's another thing he brought up. He said nobody bats an eye at that. Everybody's like, "Well, we like the Ten Commandments. We'll keep them. right? You know." But right. all that at least other stuff, seven though. of them, <laughs> right, right. But um, he said it's just interesting, though, uh, Durbin, when he was talking, he said uh, Paul quotes animal husbandry laws. He says what? He's like, that's so abstract, like. Why does, that? Yeah. But if he's willing to mention that and be like, oh, yeah, well, this is how we handle that. Right. Clearly, he's referencing the law as the valid law of the land.
1: That's interesting. Yeah. Paul does uh, talk about that. He's probably talking about where Paul says uh, uh, an ox, you don't muzzle an ox when it's right. grinding. Right. And he uses that to say every worker deserves their pay. Exactly. So. And
0: that's and that's his big thing is like he's talking. Uh, uh, they were talking about it's equal justice. It's about yeah. equal justice. That's what a murderer gets murdered. You know, yeah. A, yeah. A, a thief pays back what he stole. You know, like it's the crime fits the punishment.
1: And that comes from the Old Testament, exactly.
0: And that's the and
1: yeah. Uh, just a uh, just a quick shout out here. Philip Richardson happens to be yes. teaching on uh jesus and the law it's actually more than jesus the first two sessions were on jesus now he's talking about paul and the law but he's he is answering the question of theonomy how much of this actually applies to us if you're not able to attend his class his classes are recorded and available on youtube
0: and philip i haven't heard anything you've said yet so Please don't yell at me if I just disagreed with anything you're teaching. I'm not trying to. <laughs> I
1: think you're okay. I think you're okay. Um, Paul, in the book of Gal- Galatians, he talks more at length, uh, kind of theoretically, about the nature of the law. And what he says is absolutely fascinating. Chapter 3, verse 19. Paul says, Why then was the law given? Great question, Paul. Why was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. Right. Okay, there's one. The law was given to teach us. That's exactly what he says in 2 Timothy 3.16. Right. Uh, It's there to teach us. A couple of verses later, verse 24, he says, let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. Now I'm reading the New Living Translation. I looked this up in about a dozen different translations, and there were around eight different words that translated the Greek term. The Greek term, I'm gonna tell you what it is, and you're gonna say, oh, that's the Greek term is pedagogos, which in English we get the word pedagogue from it pedagogue is a child's teacher
0: oh okay there you go yeah Yeah, yeah. there you go
1: (laughs) pedagogy pedagogy is the study of teaching children okay now some of the other uh translations tutor guardian schoolmaster trainer disciplinarian custodian and teacher so I brought a commentary in with me. This commentary, I I, I, did, uh, I did doctoral studies in Toronto, Canada. And I studied with Richard Longnecker. He sent me this. This is one of the few books I have that I didn't buy. He gave me this book. And in the card that went with it, he said, I dedicated the book to you. And I thought, oh, my goodness. And I ran to the dedication page where he says, to all my students. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Oh, that's so funny. But here's what he says about that term, paedagogos. The paedagogos, though usually a slave, was an important figure in ancient patrician households, being charged with the supervision and conduct of one or more sons in the family. He was distinguished from the didaskolos, the teacher, for he gave no formal instruction, but administered the directives of the father in a custodial manner. Though, of course, indirectly, he taught by the supervision he gave and the discipline he administered. This guy, when a Roman father had several children, he would get a slave and he'd say, okay, you're the Pythagogos. I'm going to tell them what to do. You make sure they get it done. And that slave would be able to whip them if they didn't do it. He would interpret if if, uh, daddy said, I want you to go to the fields today. And the sun goes to the fields, strings up a hammock and lays down. The Pythagogos comes on and says, that's not what your daddy meant to get out there and work the fields. Later on, Longnecker says this, and I love this. The point of the analogy here, is not that the Mosaic law was a positive preparation for Christ. Though in terms of piety and education, that can't be doubted in other contexts. Rather, the focus here is on the supervisory function of the law, the inferior status of one under such supervision, and the temporary nature Of such a situation. In the course of salvation history. What. Longnecker says Paul was saying. Is that. As the tutor. Or as the guardian. This was a temporary situation. The law served. Until Christ came. And if you look at what Paul says. In the context. That's exactly what he's saying. The law has validity for us as long as Christ is absent. When Christ comes, we are now under the law of Christ. Now Christ takes the Old Testament law and certain aspects of it, he says, I want you to keep doing that. Great. We keep doing that. Does that make sense?
0: I don't know that I fully agree. Okay i d- I think I do I, I I think I would take his what interpretation do you it. See? i uh, okay the last the very last thing he said is it's temporary as a means of salvation
1: back to the theotomy question
0: right, and yeah. so my thing is yeah, I think it still serves I think it's still for for instance, um if somebody if a man rapes a woman he's be right. b- he, um is it death? Let's use murder. Yes, I know yes, that, okay. yes. No, no. It's, death. Okay. it's death. death. He's to be killed, right? Um, if that, if a person commits a crime worthy of death, right? They're to be put to death. Mm-hmm. That's the Old Testament. That's the law. I believe that is still true today. If somebody murders somebody, that person should be killed because they've they've killed. That's what Th- the Old Testament what, says, right? right. Um, I still think that holds true today. I don't think that means they're not to be forgiven. I think if they repent and they say, I'm sorry, please forgive me, you're forgiven. But what but you've done— But there's no way to
1: do restitution. Right. You can't bring that person We're back We are not
0: life. in the perfection of eternity yet. Right. We, there are still, there are still um, consequences for sin. And and you have to reap what you sow, too. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I get it. Do
0: you agree or disagree with that?
1: Oh, I agree with it. Um, question is, where does that come from? Does that come from the Old Testament? Does that come from Jesus? Well, Jesus never says kill. No, right. The Old Testament does. Right. Um, yeah, I get what you're saying. I yeah. get what you're saying.
0: Yeah. I think there's a lot of people that would disagree with what I just said, though. Yeah, and I don't know that they can form a good enough case to change my mind.
1: (laughs) And vice versa,
0: you're probably not going to change your mind. Right, right. Um, I would. I'm always open to it, but I just I can't. I haven't found it. I don't know. Yeah,
1: it's the last verse that I wanted to refer to here from Paul again, is Romans chapter 10. Uh, Verse 4, Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. What it literally says is that Christ is the end of the law for justification. And that's worded kind of strangely. And that's why New Living Translation again says Christ has accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God.
0: Right.
1: Um, I think the point that Paul is trying to make here is that in the Old Testament, the law is given so that man can be righteous. But nobody can hold but the But nobody law. can do it. Right. So when Christ comes... Our righteousness today is not acquired by attempting to obey the law. It's acquired through Christ. Christ gives us his righteousness. I agree to that. It doesn't exonerate us from the need to be righteous, to do the right thing. It's just saying you're not going to get it because you try harder.
0: Well, well, that's like... um there's the verse in, is it in Hebrews where it says, um, it's talk. he's talking to people going back to the sacrificial system. Right. And he says, there remains no sacri- There is no sacrifice for those of you who That's turn right. away. And in, is it an intentional sin? Is that what it says? There's no sacrifice for intentional sin. Yeah. Um, yeah. What he's not saying you can't be forgiven. Right. If you go back and you look at the sacrificial system, there, is, there no no is no sacrifice for, for that, sin. but right. Christ is. Yes, and if you want that, you better stick with us. That's what that's He's saying. <laughs> <laughs> if you want that covered, you better be here.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. That's. I, I hear that one misquoted a lot, though. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So.
1: Well, I, why is the Old Testament important for us? Let's, let's kind of summarize here.
0: Because without it, the New Testament makes no
1: sense. That's, that's a biggie. <laughs> that's a biggie, yeah. It gives us the background yeah. for the New Testament. So we better be looking at the Old Testament and trying to understand it so we can understand the New Testament better. Mm-hmm. Anything else? You mentioned theonomy, God's law. God's law still applies. Still applies to us. Still applies. If Jesus
0: says otherwise, well, Jesus is right because he's God. Right. If he said, like when he tells Peter, go eat with the Gentiles, Peter, obviously doesn't matter what you eat anymore. That's not how you stay clean or unclean. It's not what, right. but Jesus says that before he says, it's not what you put in your body that makes you clean or unclean. Right. It's what comes out of your heart. That's right. Right. So Jesus does away with that right there. Yep. Um, yeah, so, I mean, if Jesus doesn't explicitly state otherwise, I don't know why we would have reason to believe that parts of the law, like, nope. what he doesn't specifically say, I think the law is still going.
1: The Old Testament still teaches us about God, still still corrects us, teaches us about ourselves. And <laughs> I'll tell you the truth, I, I heard a preacher who I highly respect, Dennis Kinlaw, One time in a sermon, he said the Old Testament is God's Peanuts cartoon strip. And then he went on to explain it. He said, the thing I love about Peanuts is it's just so me. I see myself in Charlie Brown. I see myself in Linus. I see myself in Snoopy. And I read the Old Testament, and I see myself in Abraham and and in, and in David, and especially when these guys mess up and do the wrong thing, I say, I can see myself doing that. I remember when I did just that. It teaches us about ourselves, and it teaches us what to do about it. A lot of people think that the Old Testament is salvation by works, and it is not. Salvation in the Old Testament is acquired the same way it's acquired in the New Testament, God's grace. Jonah four, right? That's right. Yeah. Southwest God has mercy. Jonah looks at God, shakes his fist in God's face, and says, I knew you were gonna forgive him because that's what you do. Right. <laughs> and somehow we don't get that. And we think, oh no, it's about earning your salvation. It's not. It's right. not. The Old Testament also is about what one of the most liberal uh historians, uh, uh, oh, I'm not going to remember his name now, but he wrote about Jonah. In writing about Jonah, he said, uh, he wrote about Noah, and he said, Noah found grace. God didn't save Noah because he was a righteous man. Yeah, he was a righteous man. But Noah found grace in God's eyes, and I thought, wow, I've never heard A conservative preacher preached that.
0: uh, Another example is Abraham. Uh, It doesn't say Abraham was found righteous because of his works. He said his faith was counted to him as righteousness. He was God's friend. He trusted God, and he screwed up a lot. A lot. But that little mustard seed, as Jason was talking about last week, he put that in God's hands.
1: So we see that in the Old Testament. We see what it tells us about God, what it tells us about ourselves, how it tells us what to do about that. Now, not necessarily the sacrificial system, but uh, yeah, we do make restitution when restitution can be made. That's important. Right. It, it's it's a
0: little different now. It's We don't have to sacrifice anything. That sacrifice has been made, but... What comes after, um, like, like the repentance of sacrifice, that's still there. The, the, the understanding what you've done was wrong. I mean, that's still there. We haven't done away with that.
1: And I go to the book of Psalms a lot because in the book of Psalms, I find that David expresses my thoughts and my emotions better than I can.
0: You're a little bit emo, Randy. Yeah, eh, probably.
1: <laughs> <laughs> David, the emo king. I just don't have the uh, black hair to go with it. <laughs> yeah, that's all right.
0: Yeah, David, uh, I, I, I resonate well with David, too. He's he's uh, your tragic musician, yeah. sad boy.
1: Yeah, yep, 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 yeah. Wears his emotions on his sleeve. But
0: that's good, though, and he lays it all out for God.
1: He does, he does. Yeah.
0: I need that. I think we all need that. Yeah. <laughs> right on, man. Um, that's that's a lot. We covered a lot. Um, so read your Old Testament. <laughs> please. Please read your Old Testament. Learn something new about it. Um, there is a ton packed in there, and it can be really boring at times, but just struggle through it. Um, glean what you can, but keep going. Don't give up.
1: Go to places like uh, the Bible Project. They do a great uh, job. They do a
0: fantastic job. uh, Honestly, uh, like mentioning the Bible Project, if you go to their overview videos, Uh where they will just lay out the structure of a book for you, that's going to help you so much just reading through it.
1: It's incredible. And it's animated. It keeps your attention. And what I've... Every time I've opened one of those, I've thought I've never thought of it that way. That yeah. is really neat,
0: yeah, they do a good job. they it, do it kind of kind of puts everything in focus for you. It frames everything well yeah um yeah that that's my best advice. Just dig in and then go find some really uh approachable resources to help you along the way,
1: yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. awesome. Give us a call here. We'd we'll be glad to point you toward some books or websites or whatever. Yep.
0: New Hope Church. Um, send us questions at uh, questions at, at, become at Hope. becomehope.com uh, or or is it at becomehope.com? Mm-hmm. Yeah, at, be- at becomehope.com or um, questions at salty saints.com. Um, thank you guys so much for hanging out. Thank you for listening. Make sure, now that we're on YouTube, click subscribe. Um, Follow us, whatever, whatever platform you're listening on. This will also be an audio format. Uh, Just comment, give us a like, give us a rating, whatever, but stay salty.
1: In a world where relationships are easily broken and often discarded, the Rebuilding Us Marriage Podcast is your lighthouse, guiding the way to hope, restoration, and transformation in Christ. I'm your host and marriage coach, Dana Shea. Join me as we discuss the necessary tools for rebuilding marriages from adversity, betrayal, and disconnection. It's time to reignite love as we rebuild marriages from the ground up. Listen to the Rebuilding Us Marriage podcast on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.